Green Left Weekly Radio. There is one newspaper that is independent of powerful interests, and that's Green Left Weekly. It's a people's voice committed to human and civil rights, environmental sustainability, democracy and equality. It presents ideas mainstream media won't. It's the leading source of local, national and international news analysis and discussion and debate to strengthen the anti-capitalist movement. It exposes the lies and distortions of the power brokers and helps us to better understand the world around us. And good morning, listeners, and welcome to Friday Breakfast and Green Left Weekly Radio. I'm here by myself um, simply because there's been a delay on in the public transport and um, Jacob is on his way in. I hope you're having a good morning this morning. And let's start the program with a recognition of the original people of this land. This land was never ceded, and we pay our respects to the elders of this nation. Um, the nation of the Wurundjeri, um, and it's a cooler nation. Now, the um, biggest story, I guess, on everybody's mind is what's happening at Menace, generally speaking, um, and I, I, I cannot find a word to describe this, but it's absolutely pathetic. I, I had a quick look at the um, general media, a few couple of newspapers that we get here, and nothing Nothing on, on what's happening with the 600 men who are absolutely desperate on the um, island. And uh, what we have is the uh, trade um, pact that Turnbull hopes to negotiate with Peru. Another um, agreement to exploit workers here and in Peru and help the rich uh, get richer. And um, I have... Uh, um, horrible feeling that um, this is not create. This is not going to create any more jobs as they always promise, and that was the case with the Adani mines, as you remember. Okay, so what I will do is uh, run through what's happening in Manus, and also uh, let you know that we've got a very packed program today. We have five interviews, and even possibly no, we have four interviews and possibly five, um, and. It's just too many to run through at the moment, but a couple of them are from uh, union-based um, uh, topics, and one is about women, and the other one is about the refugees in action that people are taking, because just out of desperation, people are doing different things in different places, and we've got a number of announcements about different activities that are happening, but one of the crucial announcements I want to make from the beginning of the program is that Every Friday evening, if you are going around to Flinders Street, Flinders Street Junction, don't, um, with a car especially. If, if, um, if you are um, on public transport, that's fine. The um, key thing is that there will be people gathering there to express their frustration about how the Australian government is mistreating the 600 men in Manus Island and an absolute stubborn, extremely stubborn um, attitude of not allowing New Zealand to take the 150 that they have offered to take and also not looking at other countries that may want to take them or even bring them here, which is very simple, less expensive, less traumatic, and all the rest that people we generally know. It's the cruelest punishment to any 
group of people um, you can ever see. So um, the latest, um, I guess, in a sense, um, in, in Manus, and one of our journalists is over there, and he describes the island as like a war zone. Uh, this place is like a war zone, wrote um, the Behruz uh, Bochani, who's a... He's a Iranian. He's a Kurdish Iranian journalist who we have seen on TV every so often, um, and he he did win an award. And I I forgot to find out exactly what award it was, but he was awarded a journal, for his journalism. He was given an award. Um, sorry about that, but I will find out if I can. So it's it's being labeled as the Manus Island Siege, and Bachani says that we have become refugees for a second time inside this um, hellhole. And it is um, literally what it is, a hellhole created by the men, the political forces in um, Australia. It's a simple thing that they can resolve, but they absolutely refuse to resolve it. It's egotistic um, and it's a complete caving in to the extreme right wing political forces within the Liberal Party. The Labour Party has, has blood on its hands too and we know that. And um, we just have to wait and see how this unfolds. But there are lots of people who are so desperate, so angry, so upset that they're having independent actions. The Australian government has demolished the phone room and withdrew medical support. And there is um, a variety of announcements going out. If you go into Facebook, people who are there would like um, people, others who can afford, um, donate some money. Uh, to recharge their mobile phones so, can, so that they can ring their families because some of these men could possibly die in the next little while while we are here trying to organize solidarity for those people. And, and it's, it's, he describes, um, Beirut describes this thing as, in these words. He says, um, Australia is also employing one of the oldest and the cruelest acts of war, starving people into submission. Um, by withdrawing food from the centre. Food, the food available on Manus Island is very expensive and many locals live off um, subsistence, subsistence farming. Um, so this, this is not, not um, uh, unusual, but the, the refugee crisis, and, and we've forgotten about the refugees in Europe, of course. We haven't heard anything about all the refugees who went from Europe into the, from, from the northern um, African nations and the Middle East down to, to the um, European nations. There was a big hoo-ha about it and police and fences and walls and whatever else they were putting up to prevent them from going um, um, into Europe. And we also had the Rohingya refugees, which is another big crisis. So the refugee crisis is, is getting vastly bigger and enormously difficult. And we have also to look, look forward to climate change refugees, where islands are uh, disappearing, like I know Solomon's has lost an island. Um, the Pacific Islands have asked to have a discussion about how do you how do you manage how do you how are you what do you expect um, how do you organize prepare for this possible crisis that's happening and of course there's a climate change um, conference that's happening in, in Germany at the moment um, so I'm going to stop there and play a song as a dedication to it's actually an intro to the refugee program while we get the first interviewee on um, online here we go <laughs> 
My name is Selva Kulichelvin and I am fighting for my life. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have to flee your own country, spend days or weeks in a leaky boat on dangerous rolling seas, and then arrive in a new country where you are terrorised even more? Well, that's the life confronting millions of people in this world who have no choice but to seek asylum. All these people want is a fair go, but here in Australia, our government, in our name, treats these desperate people with cruelty and inhumanity. Here at 3CR, we aim to give these people a voice, a chance to speak out and let you know that they are just like us, people with hopes and aspirations, people who deserve to be treated as we would expect to be treated if we found ourselves in this position. Refugee Radio is the voice of refugees. Yes, we'll wear you down, it's true, I could be one more suicide. So say I'm not a worthless human being, cause no one needs a worthless human being. My family need a worthwhile human being, so they can know. If you love 3CR, then why not support us by setting up a regular donation? You decide how much and how often you donate, and once it's set up, you don't have to think about it. Monthly, weekly, annually, you decide. And And, um, good morning, Lily. Welcome to 3CR. Thank you. You have done a dramatic act in in Sydney, climbing the Opera House. Yes. Uh, and that was t- tell us firstly, your group is called WACA, which is Whistleblowers Activist Citizens Alliance, which is a, a very radical name. It's, 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 it's interesting. Um, firstly, what inspired you uh, to do this, this quite dangerous act? Explain uh, what it was all about. Um, what inspired us to do the action was um, what's unfolding on Manus Island right now, which is the 600 men on Manus Island um, standing in protest over the closure of their detention centre um, without food, water, medicine and staff. Um, and we knew it was a dangerous action to some degree, but all of the climbers that we had taking action were skilled climbers and they knew that the danger that they faced paled in comparison to the danger faced by the men on Manus Island. That's extremely good, but we, 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 I saw some of the, the, the acts you were doing on, on, um, on the computer as you are doing it, and the banner was really nice, but how long did you manage to keep the banner up before the police got you? Yeah, police search and rescue came after about an hour. Uh, we had the huge banner that we'd taken up with us up and halfway unfurled, but in the process of it halfway being unfurled, um, police search and rescue, out of the blue, one of their members ripped our abseiler off the opera house while she was halfway down it. Um, so when they pulled her off, they also began to draw the banners um, in. And so only two of our personal banners managed to get out, one that read Australia, world leader in cruelty, and the other that read evacuate menace. Um, in light of, you know, um, how, um, of, you know, how bad the crisis on Manus has, has gotten, um, you know, what, what would you say, what would your comments be on, you know, the necessity, um, the necessity of um, civil disobedience in light of this whole, um, you know, crisis on Manus? Yeah, so I guess 
um, judging from our name, which you've said already, yes. uh, we <laughs> we think that civil disobedience is an effective um, means of action and becomes one of the only voices we can use when our political process is obviously sick, um, which we believe it is. At this point in time, both Liberal and Labor governments have been complicit in human rights abuses towards refugees, and we believe that Australia has become a world leader in cruelty, and in that um, position that we found ourselves in where we feel like our Australian government doesn't listen to the Australian people and doesn't listen to like international obligations that we have, that civil dis- disobedience is absolutely essential um, in bringing to light the horrors that are unfolding whenever there's a humanitarian crisis, whenever there's a crisis um, that our political process and our parties um, don't seem to be able to resolve on their own. Yeah, absolutely right. Some rules have been broken, especially in this particular case. Um, before we let you go, uh, what's the um, hashtag for your organisation? Because we've been trying to find it, we couldn't find it. For those oh, who want to yeah. follow. Oh, yeah. Um, we've been using hashtag evacuate menace. Evacuate. Yeah. That's great because um, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people who will want to follow you and support you, in fact, in this action. And it's really, really important. And it's wonderful to see young people who are out there challenging the the laws of this government um to uh, uh, you know that that causes so much pain to so many people who are already traumatized good on you for doing this and keep your your activities up i'm hoping you've got lots more activities planned <laughs> we do we do <laughs> good, good to hear that it's fantastic to Thanks hear for that having me. <laughs> yeah it's wonderful thank you so much for being up so early in the morning <laughs> thank you thank you bye and um, welcome back to um, 3CR. That was just a bit of music from Tears from Gaza. Um, we have the next interview. I'm sorry we are rolling along with interviews because there's so many um, so many interviews lined up. We haven't um, had much of a gap in between. And I, 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 I forgot to mention, and I would like to apologize for that, the, first, the, the young woman who, who we interviewed just now who scaled the uh, Sydney Opera House in protest against what's happening in Manus. Her name is Lily Matchett, and she's from an organization called WACA, which is Whistleblowers Activist Citizens Alliance. Very brave people. So now we go on to the next interview. We'll be interviewing um, Jackie Chris, who is the vice president of the um, Geelong um, Trade Hall. And um, she also is with Adele Welch, who is the executive member of um, Geelong Trade Hall, as well as Zeta, who holds a similar position. It's in relation to a conference you're organizing. So let's go to the interview. Good morning, team. Good morning, Wally. How are you? <laughs> Good, thanks, Jackie, and welcome to 3CR. And thank you for getting together so early in the morning. It's a bit like going nursing in the hospitals in the first thing in the morning, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're um, two of us are nurses and one's a social worker, so we're used to getting up early. And thank you for, for being so organised. Okay, tell us about this this conference, um, which is, I feel, believe is one of the most important uh, women's activities that's happening because we haven't had a lot of women's rights activities uh, recently. Tell us what you're doing. Okay, so the format, um, I think, uh, well, what I'll tell you about is how we got started in the first place and how it happened. So um, this year we were impressed by the massive turnout of the IWD march and I think we have Donald Trump to thank for that. Yes. And um, he provoked a lot of anger in the women, and so lots of women went out in the streets 
on mass. So I think you might have been at that rally. Mm-hmm. But we noticed this year was there's a new layer of younger women out on the street, and we wanted to harness this energy. So we were thinking about having a conference. We wanted something in our own regional area, and we thought that the time was right for such an event. So initially, we started off thinking about having a rally, and then later we thought about a conference and then a dinner, so we put it all together, so we're having everything on the same day. Okay. So one of the time... Uh, Sorry. Now keep going. That's all right. So um, Cita was going to mention the format of what the content of the day. Yeah, that's, that's a question I was, was going to ask next. Tell us about what the content is, so people can be inspired to come to the conference. <coughs> yeah, so we're, we're having sort of three... Um, topics um, running throughout the conference. The main one is um, aimed around family violence and gendered violence at work. Uh, And then we're looking at uh, insecure and precarious work in the underemployment areas. And then we're looking at empowering women through um, uh, getting a voice in regards to activism at the grassroots level, um, teaching them sort of uh, how to do protest banners and how to public speak and uh, things like that. So we've got an amazing lineup of um, speakers to come along as well, which probably Adele will have a tell you a little bit about. Yes, do please. So we um, some of the speakers that we're having is Michelle Jackson, um, Celeste Little. Karen Bat, and we've also got Chris Cousins, local MP, coming along. Um, and the things that we're aiming to achieve through the conference um, are that we're wanting to empower women with knowledge around family and gendered violence, workplace rights, and give them some skills to take back to their workplaces and their communities, and to help women to make the strong links between unionism and feminism. <clears throat> The research really clearly tells us that unionised workplaces are far more likely to have better pay and conditions than non-unionised workplaces. And we know that better pay and conditions improve people's standards of living, which is good for the economy, it's good for families and it's good for communities. And we know that insecure work and underemployment is really bad for the economy, it's bad for families and it's bad for communities. And we know that workers in insecure work are far less likely to be paid superannuation and that it's far more difficult for them to get a mortgage. Um, And so those workers are more likely to be locked out of the the housing market. Um, And we're also looking at working towards having an annual rally here in Geelong um, to build the movement up a bit. Okay, that sounds really good. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about your, your, your speakers? Who is Celeste Little and um, the other people you mentioned that would be good for Mi- listeners to know? Sure. So Michelle Jackson um, is the Acting Secretary of the Australian Services Union. Celeste Little um, is the National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Organiser for the NTEU. Um, She's also a well-known blogger and writer and a very well-known Aboriginal activist and unionist. That's right. She's got a blog called Black Feminist Renter, hasn't she? (laughs) That's her. her. She's quite famous for that. Yes, she is. Karen Batt's 
the secretary of the CPSU. Um, and Christine Cousins, as, as you would know, is um, the local member for Geelong. Okay, really quickly, can somebody, somebody just um, summarise something on this particular issue of gender violence at work and why is it an occupational health and safety issue? I believe that's one of the key topics that are for discussion there. Well, we know that um, 800,000 women in Australia have been affected by family violence so far this year um, and two-thirds of those women are in the paid workforce and we know that being exposed to family violence causes far too many women to fall out of paid work. Um, we also know that gender violence at work is a significant issue um, for working women. <laughs> um, recent studies done by um, the women's team at Victoria Trades Hall have shown that 19%, I think it's 19% of women at some time have um, have resigned work due to feeling unsafe. Hmm. And the other, the other figure, Lali, is sixty-four percent of Victorian women have been injured by sexual harassment and other forms of gendered violence at work. So we will be discussing those issues at the conference. Okay, sounds um, fantastic. Um, I'm, um, I'm hoping that lots of uh, women will um, turn up for this conference. Um, and it's really important to discuss this this um, work plus workplace. Oh, pardon me, my my <laughs> I'm double dry mouth here. Workplace <laughs> workplace <laughs> violence, and it, it's not discussed enough. You know, when you say violence, immediately people think of somebody bashing somebody up. They don't realize yeah. the the other innuendos and, and all the other aspects of it. Can you? It's, yeah. it's on the spectrum, and it's not just physical violence. It's all the other stuff. It's economic. Um, control and all that stuff we'll be talking about. So we're hoping to generate um, further discussion and drill down on causes of gender equality and we're hoping to open up um, some meaningful analysis and that'll be ongoing. And, yeah. uh, and are you hoping to have some sort of ongoing action through this uh, organising this conference? Absolutely. So what we intend to look at is the, um, we've got the evaluation forms and we're going to use these to plan for events in the future and um, we want to have more targeted... We want to have the work, um, maybe future workshops to target uh, women's needs. Okay. Um, so, yeah. For, sounds fantastic. Sorry I interrupted you there. Um, is there anything else you wanted to say before we finish up? Uh, oh, yeah. If, if I could just say that so far 61 women have registered for the conference um, and... That's not only Geelong women. We've got women coming from Ballarat, Melbourne, and as far away as Portland. Mm. Um, and our rally is being support, being really well supported by um, unions as well. We've got the CFMEU coming along to support our rally, as well as the Australian Services Union, um, who will be marching along in support of um, our women attenders. Okay, how do people register for the conference? Um, do they can they just turn up, or do they have to go online to register? No, we we're not so um, um, electronically. Um, <laughs> we don't we don't have that access. <laughs> yeah, look, we're this grassroots uh, rank and file women having a go, and so you can come to the door. Um, but the way things are going, people are booking pretty quickly. So if you want a ticket, you better it's better to book because I think our capacity might be. Mm, I don't know, 80 to 100, and then we might have to close the door. So people need to get in quick. 
how do they book? How do they book? That's what I'm trying oh, to ask. Oh, sorry, they ring Trade Hall. Yep, uh, which is? Trade Hall. Yeah, I'm just trying to find the number. Uh, we haven't got the number here with us. That's no, all right, I'll grab the number. Okay, that's fine. I'm sure people can Google it and find it on, on the computer easily enough. But yeah, uh, it's just a long trade call. Yep. My street along. Okay, so it's... it's, it's uh, I've got the number. It's 52111712. Say that again slowly. 52111712. One, seven, one, two. One, seven, one, two. That's 52211712. Okay, wonderful. I hope this has got that number. Those who wish to um, book, make sure you put my name down. <laughs> yeah, you better put your name down. <laughs> Thank you, the women of Geelong Trades Hall, for um, you know coming and talking about the conference you organised. It sounds exciting, and high time women started doing something much more concrete in in a way that is meaningful. And uh, hope to see you there tomorrow. Thank you, Molly. Thank you, Thank you. so much, Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you love 3CR, then why not support us by setting up a regular donation? You decide how much and how often you donate, and once it's set up, you don't have to think about it. Monthly, weekly, annually, you decide, and there's no minimum amount. Your donation is also 100% tax deductible, and you can claim the entire amount back via your tax return, knowing you are directly diverting Commonwealth funds to keeping your favourite station operating. It's the easiest way to grow 3CR. So if this works for you, sign up. Go to 3cr.org.au slash donate or call the station on 9419 8377. You're going to hear it now, blasting out the radio. Welcome back to um, Friday Breakfast, Green Left Weekly Radio. And finally now we can get to some news in the Green Left Weekly paper, Jacob. We've been just rushed with interviews this morning and, and I think the Manus Island issue has um, totally um, preoccupied us um, with, the, with the desperate situation there. It's heartbreaking and um, heart-wrenching. Uh, but there's lots of news. Um, now, one of the... <clears throat> in fact... The um, protests and, and what's happening in Catalonia has been has taken the backseat for the minute um, s- simply because there's way too much happening at the moment. And um, the, the uh, news that we have here, let's have a look. Unions in solidarity with the PNG dock workers. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, the Maritime Union of Australia organized a rally outside the PNG. Um, a consulate on October the 31st. This is to show solidarity to the sacking of a thousand PNG dock workers. Um, apparently, the the sackings came after uh, the awarding of a 25-year stevedoring contract covering PNG main ports to a notoriously inter-union Filipino company, International Container Terminal Services (ICTSI), and um, the International Transport Federation organizer Shane Reside told, I hope I can pronounce it correctly, um, told the rally that um, the ICTSI has been carrying out similar union-busting activities in other countries. So a resolution was passed at the, by the MUA Sydney branch 
uh, condemning the treatment by ICTSI uh, of the PNG workers. And uh, one PNG Maritime Worker Industrial Union workers uh, provides 20 to 40 families members, family members. So it's it's a, a very crucial job for those men. Um, and I don't know if there are women there, but if they are, men and women. Um, it affects 40,000 lives who live in the third world. So this is the, the screwing down of, 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 of workers' conditions everywhere in the world. And we didn't hear about PNG, our closest neighbor. And this is one of the rallies that happened in Sydney recently. Um, there are other in news. Do you have any news you want to talk about now, Jacob? Um, just, there's actually been quite a lot happening. And um, basically in the United States, um, elections, sort of local kind of type of council elections have been happening. Um, and it's actually quite... Uh, quite a strong showing for the left um, with quite a high number of um, councillors from the Democratic Socialists of America, which are like a growing kind of left-wing party in the United States, have taken council positions. Um, And then the Democrats, although we're not um, have also unseated quite a number of Republicans from their seats, which I think is probably a positive, um, even though the Democrats obviously not a very you know, very problematic party. But probably what was the most significant thing um, was this Democratic candidate who is transgender, who basically unseated a Republican who, um, this this is quite poetic justice basically, because this is the Republican, a Republican councillor or senator or whatever, who basically drafted that bill um, that basically, you know, discriminated against transgender people on the basis of using bathrooms. Like, basically, he's the one who spread all this kind of hate around, you know, trans um, women entering into into women's bathrooms, etc. Um, so that's kind of like poetic justice in a sense. So that's very, very um, positive. And um, unfortunately, um, the socialist alternative, um, which are affiliated with the CWI in... Um, in the United States, they they ran a very strong campaign for a candidate called Ginger. I forgot her last name, um, but unfortunately, she didn't win her um, the position. But she did get more first choice votes um, than any of the other candidates. So she actually got the highest in sort of Australian terms. She got the highest primary vote um, out of all the out of all the candidates she was running against, higher than the Republicans, higher than the Democrats. The main issue was basically um, the imagine all the Republican voters basically put the Democrat um, 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 basically put the Democrat as their second preference. Obviously, would they would have never put Ginger as their second preference. Um, so basically, she lost on that basis because um, the other candidates had more second um, preference votes. Okay, um, there's a little bit more news on, on women's issues uh, since we haven't covered women, women's issues a lot over the little while. Um, I thought it would be good to cover that. And we, the um, Rojava conference last Saturday came out really, really well. Um, we had you know, almost 80, 90 people there and we had some prominent speakers, but unfortunately the Skype connection was a little bit disturbed. But the journalist was really good, and we, from from Holland, Frederica, and she was interviewed on our program. And there was a lot of discussions about the gains made by women, and um, women's issues have to come to the fore. For example, you know, there are a couple of new, news items here. One is the uh, Reclaim the Night, uh, which is an annual 
uh, protests um, against all forms of violence that's held around the country. And even though they've been getting small, but I think this year there was uh, much more attention paid to it. And um, the <clears throat> excuse me, the the rallies were held against a backdrop of rising uh, students' activism following the release of Human Rights Commission report on campus where sexual assault has been um, much more prominent and recognized and the the but the defunding and the outsourcing of women centered rape crisis services and specialized women's refugees um, were discussed people are really angry women are angry about this and uh, of course the hashtag me too social media campaign um, that exposed the prevalence of sexual harassment and that is so ongoing um, it, it, it's a period for women to step forward and that's why um, the conference that uh, Jackie and her team announced is a good one to go to talk about. Uh, women need to stand up for their rights and there is a lot of discussion going on. And then on New South Wales, um, uh, the in New, in New South Wales, sorry, um, there is the <clears throat> Feminist NGO Rape and Domestic Violence Services is urgently seeking funds to keep the phone switched on in New South Wales. So this is a sort of activities that are happening where women are struggling, women are being have been oppressed for decades, or centuries rather. And here we have in a modern society, women are asked to participate in the workforce, uh, go into science streams, encourage them to do all the things that are necessary for the future workforce. And yet there's defunding going on and they are struggling to keep the rape crisis center open, which was running at 24 hours a day and seven days a week to, to support women who are suffering from um, any sort of violence, really. So there, there, there are two items that are prominent in the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, in the um, paper this week, and of course the the women's conference in Geelong tomorrow will be an important one. And for the for those who may have missed the number, uh, to to book for the conference is five double two one, one seven one two. And 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 uh, and you know, in, in conjunction with students, which is nice to see a lot of young people mobilising and standing up for their rights. International students also want um, travel concessions. That's been ongoing um, campaign. And in New South Wales again, there was um, a, a, a rally in relation to that. And uh, said New South Wales is the only state where international students do not have the same rights as domestic students. And these students, many of them come from families who, who, who would have sold their property or their land to send their kids overseas to have a good education so that they, go, they can go back and support the family. Um, and, you know, this, this thing about rich students coming here is often um, bandied around, but really they're, they're, uh, quite a large number of students come from fairly poor backgrounds. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, so surely the New South Wales students deserve a go at this. Yeah, and it's actually also um, an issue in um, Victoria as well where PhD students or international students don't have any rights to concessions. Really? I thought they had concessions. No, there's actually quite a, a bit of a campaign in um, based in Melbourne around sort of you know, getting um, postgrad students um, access to concessions because yeah, it's completely ridiculous that yeah. they don't because um, their income, the income that PhD students get, is as low as any low income earner. I know. And 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 the wages and, and and now they've cut back on penalty rates for Sundays, which then cuts into 
further into the in, uh, loss of income for the, the students who actually do this, this terrible work and all, all hours of the night. Um, but um, I was going to say something, and I forgot. It just slipped my mind. The other thing, that's right, the other thing that um, we really um, should uh, not forget is the Equal Rights um, um, Equal Marriage Rights uh, Campaign. The results should be coming out soon. And I think there are parties being organised in different places by different people. Yes, Jacob. Okay, so there's a bit of... Um, I haven't been able to read all the details, but um, I definitely advise listeners to really follow this. Um, basically, um, what's happening right now is there is going to be... There's going to be a bill put forward as far as I know at this point. Um, But basically the right wing are attempting to push a very watered down bill um, that will allow for religious exemptions. Um, Basically, I think there would basically, you know, I think the kind of the crux of it is basically it will allow um, when marriage equality is passed in fury, if if this legislation was passed, it would basically allow churches... To deny rights to for deny rights for, for gay couples, <laughs> although it's um, it's all very complicated. But I urge everyone to kind of follow it because I think we should be putting pressure for you know we've been in this fight for so long. Um, we should have a marriage equality bill that has no compromises, no sort of you know basically no allowances made to the right, but the right are attempting to push yeah, look, a watered down marriage equality bill. <clears throat> Excuse me, throat's a bit funny, but you know. I, I feel like smiling or laughing a little bit because of this, because you know they they couch all this this religious rights or rights for religious freedom, and and they also couch it in terms of freedom of speech. They already have so many rights. I mean, the Catholic Church will not marry anyone who's been divorced. You know, they have all these exceptions, and and for example, some Catholic um, religious run uh, hospitals, when they do cesarean section on women uh, in for the birth of the baby, they refuse to tie the tubes, um, even if the woman has signed the consent form and, and and would like it done. The women have to then go to another hospital, which is non-religious, um, to have the tubes done, which means a second operation. And religious hospitals have enjoyed this this freedom, and I I just don't get this this ex- extreme reaction uh, actions taken by the right wing. And the campaign is on. They I think there is a certain uh, angst among them because they think they're going to lose this this um, uh, referendum, so to speak. Um, and they want to quickly make some amends and and protect themselves. And they want to be seen by the their constituents or supporters um, as doing something to protect that little group of people who have conservative views. And that's what this is all about. Anyway, but the good news, we've got one good news before we go to the next interview, which is an important one. Um, we have um, Sam Wainwright, who is from the Socialist Alliance, and he's been um, re-elected. I think this is uh, the third time. Um Let's see. It's a Fremantle Council in Perth, and um, the there's the a lot of conservative people on the ticket, and Sam um, and the Greens Mayor Brad Brad I was going to say Brad Pitt. It's uh, Brad Petit, both of uh, whom have come under fire for the council council's decision um, to not celebrate a solid day on the 26th of January. In fact, they started this this ball rolling from there. Both were returned with. 55% of the vote, which is fantastic. And obviously the word socialism is, is gaining 
more respect and people are not scared of it anymore um so that's that's i thought was a great news to share with with uh, people who support socialism among our listeners um so there's a lot more to be done says sam and um people can read more of the um news on the campaign how and why he did that and everything um <clears throat> in the paper okay so while we were talking about um refugees and so on which is very much on people's um radar at the moment um there's a horrible thing well i feel it's a horrible thing that uh, has been done by our government prime minister turnbull has enthusiastically embraced uh, sri lanka and the president maithri um, maithri pala sri sena who's a prime minister and ranul wickremesinghe who has a reprehensible um you know a slaughtering here done um of the tamils in sri lanka they both met malcolm turnbull of course he was in colombo on the 2nd of november and um they celebrated the 70 year relationship between the two countries while they have got uh, tamil men who have run away from this uh, genocidal government to um escape the violence against uh, them and this has been happening as as we know for many many years from the 80s um and um we um it's it's deplorable it's absolutely deplorable that that um Turnbull did not talk about the refugees did not talk about um how uh, Sri Lankan refugees have returned some of some have been returned some have been tortured and this is an absolute disgrace and Aaron Malwaganam who's a Tamil who was a refugee here many years ago said every nod of the international support for the Sri Lankan regime receives um allowance for the and allows the genocide of the Tamil population in the north and east of the country um so it's it's a horrible situation and and you know from this visit you can tell that our government representatives are supporting such genocidal regimes and you wonder why violence is growing in this world okay on that note I'll quickly play an, uh, play an ID and uh, we are ready for the uh, next interview like in Canada and in Australia they cannot discharge tailings directly into the riverways but in Pogara they discharge their tailings in the waterways and they kill us and they say it's okay you are just being killed for trespassing subscribe to 3CR bringing you voices and opinions the mainstream media don't dare touch they have the exclusive right to extract the mineral below 6 feet but that exclusive right does not permit them also to kill people who does the killing the company has uh, specially arranged security forces subscribe today call 9419 8377 and welcome to Ben Davis who is the AMWU Big Branch Secretary good morning ben ah uh, good morning thank you so much for making the time i know you guys are extremely busy and you at the moment are in portland is that right ah uh, uh, no i'm actually in capital capital <laughs> yeah. yeah i was giving the wrong information no, okay um this desperate situation not desperate but a strong fight back by the workers in um ESO and uh, the the UGL workers in Gippsland it's is an ongoing battle and they've been on strike for the last 101 now for 142 days would that be right 
Uh, yes, they are. Yeah, I just wondered if you could tell us a little bit more because um, it seems to be a rolling um, happening with this, uh, you know, sacking workers or as soon as the EBA comes up, the companies go back with a, with a, a demand for 30 40% wage cut. Tell us more about what's happening there. Yeah, so um, earlier this year, the uh, original contractor, UGLK, which was a joint venture, the K standing for CAFA, lost the contract to UGL itself. And, you know, only in the oil and gas industry can a contractor win a contract off itself. But anyway, um, <laughs> and they came to us with a proposal to cut the pay and conditions of the existing workforce by 30 to 35%. And um, we spoke to our membership and they obviously knocked it back quite rightly and... Um, the company then said, "Okay, that's fine. We've got. We're actually going to employ them through this corporate entity called MTCT that we set up earlier, and they've already got a national agreement that was voted on by, you know, three men and a dog out the back of Burke. Uh, and looky, looky, the pay rates are thirty-five percent less than what they enjoyed when they worked for UGLK. Um, a number of, and and most of our offshore membership across the three unions involved ourselves, the AMW and the UTU." Um, the, the, the membership knocked those agreements back and they've been picketing out the front of the Longford gas plant and Longford heliport ever since. And what is the justification for doing this? Well, the gas... The, and I don't say this to defend them, by the way, but the oil and gas industry, particularly the gas, the big gas companies, have been quite adamant that wages and conditions in the sector are too high and that after the end of the mining boom in WA that there needed to be, as they put it, a reset of wages... Um, across the board, which is why they're looking for, you know, cut, cutting costs to, to the tune of about a third. The thing I don't, and will never understand, ironically enough, is when employers talk about resets, they never talk about paying people more. Hmm. It's always cut this, cut that, wage, wage cut X, wage cut Y, and in the case of the UGL, guys, you're up to 30 to 35% once you take into account various allowances and other things that they get paid as well. Mm. And there is a connection between all this uh, shortage of gas um, outcry that's going on and the increase in, in gas prices and this dis- dispute as well. Uh, well. Can you explain that a bit? Because it seems to be confusing. I'm trying to read the figures and it doesn't well, make any sense to me. The common, the common factor, because what, what the UGL um, membership are going through at the moment, we're, we've seen some on a smaller scale, admittedly, but we've seen some previews, I guess, with other contractors out at Longford and the Common denominator is SO. And um, they're not the... I mean, Viva in Geelong, they now own the old Shell refinery, doing trying to do the same thing with a lot of their project working contractors as well. I mean, in terms of gas more broadly, the problem isn't that there isn't enough gas in the ground, because there is. The problem isn't that uh, there aren't enough people who want to buy that gas in Australia, because there is. The problem is we're exporting too much of it. And we believe that SO in choosing not to develop um, a couple of blocks that they've had um, rights to explore and extract gas from in the Bass Strait for a number of years, uh, using that mechanism to try and um, force the price of gas higher. We, we, we commissioned a report by BIA Shrapnel about three years ago that forecast that the price of gas would do exactly what it is doing now. The problem is we're exporting too much gas. Mm. We're sending too much of it overseas. They're prepared to pay more than the, the the market rate in Australia was. The reason, one of the reasons why Australia, and particularly Victoria, are manufacturing states is because they have, and we have, cheap and plentiful electricity, cheap and plentiful gas, and now the gas part of that equation and the electricity part of that equation are now coming under serious threat, which has potentially an impact 
across tens of thousands of manufacturing jobs. But in the case of this dispute, we've got a company, the sixth richest company in the world, who've said to their clients, cut your costs, in this case UGL, and they've in turn said, well, we want to cut the paying conditions by 30 to 35%. Nobody should ever be asked to do that. Nobody should ever be expected to do that. And members across the three unions said, no, we're not doing it. And now 142 days later are still picketing outside the Longford gas plant in Heliport. It's good to see that they've been out there for that long because it's not easy staying out um, out of a job um, for so long. And, and obviously they've, uh, they've had good financial support to, to stay that those number of days out. Now, what I'm confused also about is um, while they're making profit, I'm sure some of this money is going overseas as, as uh, declared profit, as we saw in the Paradise Papers, um, that this company has audacity to demand people to reduce the, the wages by so many uh, percentages. Um, it's, is, is this one of the companies that's caught up in, the, in, the, in that Paradise Papers? Do you know? Um, I, well, I mean, I haven't had a chance to read through them. <laughs> it's <laughs> it, a lot of papers. There's a lot of material there. But, <laughs> yes. I mean, we've, we've had the view now for a number of months um, that SO aren't paying their fair share of tax. Yeah. Um, and when we say that publicly, as I'm obviously saying it now, it is the only time that they respond. So if I go into the media and say SO are bullying their workforce, they don't bat an eyelid. If I say they're betraying the local community because most of the workers are locals, they don't bat an eyelid. If I go out and say they're not paying enough tax, they go off their head. Yes. So where the smoke is fire, there's got to be some truth to that because we believe that in total their workforce actually pay more income tax than SO pay in corporate taxes. Mm. Um, and, and you know, we've seen this, you know, through various leaks and various scandals around the world. This is what multinational companies do. They move uh, income to jurisdictions that are low tax, and in doing so, they attempt to minimise tax across the board, which is what what they all do. It's not just SO. Okay. Um, just quickly, is there anything else you want to say to our listeners um, before we wrap, wrap up the interview, uh, Ben? Yeah, look, these guys have been doing it tough. They've been out for 142 days. That is a mammoth effort by any stretch of the imagination. And, yeah, the unions and the local community are doing what we can to support them. But they, in in a, in a financial and in, a, in an emotional sense, are on a pretty tough pretty tough journey so if your listeners could jump on the social media and like and share the posts um there's fundraising links there if they can make a donation that'd be fantastic um but what we really need from people is just to get this dispute more visible yes it's not as visible as streets it's not as visible as ceb because in both those cases a consumer boycott has an impact i mean it's a bit hard to say to people i want you to boycott gas and oil like that's not really going to be happening no, in a hurry. No. so just share, getting the message out sharing the social media liking reposting retweeting um so that more and more people can become aware of what's going on down there um because we can't stop what's happening there now but we can make sure it doesn't happen again and do you have a hashtag for this campaign um yes we do um we call it a hashtag ugly dispute Ugly dispute. Good one. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay, for listeners who are interested to follow this, that's the hashtag to follow. And I also, um, uh, re- just, just yesterday, picked up this um, announcement by ACTU. Um, they they want uh, people to contribute, help, as, as you said, um, and they're taking a stand against corporate greed and the significant personal cost to those families in, in, involved. And uh, as you say, the lo- and the local community have been fantastic in chipping in. Okay, thank you so much um, to put uh, to set aside um, time to talk to us, Ben. And yeah, good to talk to you. We will we'll try and uh, keep up with the with the news with this dispute because it's such an important dispute. Yeah, thanks. And have a good day.
You too. Thank you. Bye. It was minor if they had a fight with government or anyone on, on our culture, on, on our land. You know, if people say, oh, you're going to finish up with nothing, well, then so be it. But at least our hearts will tell us that we did not sell out our country and our culture and heritage for a few scungy dollars. Subscribe to 3CR so that your dollars support Indigenous voices and the struggle for land justice. For Aboriginal people, the greatest grief of all is seeing the country destroyed. And somewhere along the line, we have to realise that we don't actually have the right to do that, that nothing we've ever done has given us the right to do that. Now, you know where I stand on this, because I'm so simple-minded, I think we've just got to admit that this is an Aboriginal country. Just do it. Welcome back um, to Green Left Radio listeners, and we're moving at a very fast pace here, and I can't keep up with everything that's going on. It's a bit much, but... We have to talk about something really important that has um, been a a big victory, really, in Queensland, where the elections are coming up, and we've had a little bit a bit of shenanigans going on. Um, The Stop Adani campaign, the the the, um, campaigning premier uh, premier of um, Queensland has said that they are going to veto public funding of the Adani mines. Mm. That is like a miracle, you know. the things elections can do is that is mm. that funny? <laughs> well, yeah. We, that said, um, they say that now. Um, you know, while there's election going on, That's right. um, so we have no idea what's going to happen if, um, if you know, when when they actually do get elected. Um, at this point, it does seem to be based on um, on sort of my quick analysis of what's happening in the Queensland election. It does seem very. It does seem to be a very tight race. There's a possibility Liberals could mm. win government again. Mm. Um, but on a positive side, there is um, a good possibility that the Greens will pick up their first lower house seat in the state um, election. Um, that w- That's likely to be Amy... Forgot how to pronounce her last name. Um, from yes, running for South, running for the South Brisbane seat, um, and she's actually quite a strong left wing candidate for the Greens. Yep. Um, she's based in the same kind of electorate that the kind of Greens councillor Jonathan Saree is based in, who's probably one of the more radical Greens councillors um, that that has. Yeah, probably the most radical Greens councillor in the entire country. Um, and she is basically building off a lot of the um, campaigning work that he has um, done prior. Um, so I think it would be good. Um, and also the Socialist Alliance are also running uh, candidate um, in the, the um, City of Brisbane, you know, campaign on obviously, you know, against Yindani, against corporate greed, um, etc. <laughs> Yes, um, it's actually coming up to um, activist calendar time, and we had a, we have a lot of um, activities to report on as well. But the the um, and the other person who's standing is Rob Pine, uh, and Social Alliance is supporting the independent MP Rob Pine, who is the first um, MP with a disability, and he's actually in a wheelchair, and he has done very well in Queensland. And let's hope he's re-elected, and we're certainly supporting um, him for the re-election. 
especially when they're facing Pauline Hansen, who has been featured so madly in, 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 in the media. You know, mm. every station seems, oh, Pauline Hansen this, Pauline Hansen that. And they don't give a, a iota of space to alternative candidates. Mm. Just to give a quick um, bit of background um, for listeners on Rob Pine. Um, Rob Pine used to be uh, a Labor, yes, uh, state right. Labor MP in um, Can- based around in Cairns. Um, but he has since um, broke away from and resigned from the Labor Party. Um, he is still the um, the only MP who has actually voted against the Adani coal mine and has come off strong on all on all sorts of different issues. Um, he's also a grass, uh, uh, you know, a, can, a activist, um, and you know, regularly be seen at you know Aboriginal rights rallies, um, rallies against Dr. Adani. You know, you don't you do not see that for any. Labor politicians. In fact, even when he was in the Labor Party, he was regularly seen at those um, those kind of actions, which you know actually says something. Um, and I think it would be and be good if he um, gets um, re-elected for um, in the next upcoming state election for Queensland. Now, I'm just reading this funny bit where um, you know Anna Palashank uh, very coyly stated that um, she will not approve the proposed. One billion North Australia infrastructure facility they call Knife um, loan to Adani uh, because she claimed this was in response to a smear campaign. Uh, but her husband does, or her partner, works for a company that helped advocate for the loan. So it's it's interesting how strings can be pulled in various quarters for various issues uh, when you are in a powerful position. And I'm sure her being uh, the Premier of Queensland had a lot to do with the fact that, that her partner was able to be part of this whole shenanigan. But um, that is um, quite a... Um, uh, 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 turnaround and it's a victory uh, mind you we cannot ignore the campaign the strength of the campaign against the Dani Mines that's been happening for a long time now um, okay let's do a quick station ID and then we'll move on to um, the but anyway we are moving on to the activist calendar which is our, our regular feature at 8 o'clock yep. and go okay so I'm going to have to go through these notes pretty quickly um, there is going to be a refugee rally um, tonight at 5.30 at the State Library um, these rallies are planned to be every Friday until the siege um, ends um, at, so I think it's going to be quite this important it's support of Island refugees um, in support yeah. of Island refugees um, so yep they'll be happening at 5.30 um, at the State Library um, there's also apparently supposed to be a blockade happening yes, right now yes. at the Flinders Street intersection. Um, so It's all over Facebook, so um, people don't go near there if you're, if you're wanting to yeah. take your But nothing has there. been posted on Facebook as far as I know, so I'm going to yes, go, I will, be, I will be checking. Um, no, in terms of the actual action, like I haven't oh, yeah, seen yeah. any photos of like, obviously it's all, um, but yeah, I'm going to be checking it um, after this um, program is over. And um, there will be... Tomorrow at 1pm, at 11 High Street at the Walker Street Estate, there will be a third rally opposing um, the proposed sell-offs of public housing by the state Labor government. Walker Street where? Um, I said 11 High Street, Northcote. Northcote, that's what yep. I was looking for. Thank you. Yep. And and then there will be – that is organised by the Public Housing Defence Network. Um, and then also happening on that Saturday from 2pm – 
at, um, I think this is at 120 Clarodine Street in South Bank, um, the Fed, at the Federation of Education's Union Building. Um, there'll be a seminar, Now What? Um, 100 Years After the Russian Revolution. Um, and it will feature quite a number of um, notable kind of academics and um commentators, including Bay Campbell, who is a UK author, um, quite a well-known radical um, sort of, and she's used to be part of the Communist Party of Great Britain and um, worked on the new, on the popular newspaper, The Morning Star. So yeah, she'll be speaking on you know this whole question of socialism and democratic socialism in after 100 years after the Russian Revo- uh, Revolution. Can we have a look at that thing so we can make sure that the name of the street is clear for people who want to go to it? Um, so it is a, um, where is this, the address, straight s- dinner at, um, wherever, yeah, um, conversation with Scintilla Chinye P and Karen Pickett. Um, I can't see the address here. Oh, Clarendon Street. Sorry. So, sorry. Sorry, listeners. So, there's a bit of a mix up there. The Federation of Education Unions, 120 Clarendon Street, South Bank, on the corner of Valentine Street. Yeah. Yep. Okay, cool. And it's um, basically um, you have to book your tickets. Apparently, there's still tickets um, according to this email, and there's also still places for the dinner afterwards on Saturday night. So, yep. Okay. So there's a Russian Revolution Legacy Lessons for Today event coming up on the Saturday of the 18th of November with lunch um, at um, lunch at 12:30. An afternoon celebrating the discussions and discussing the October Revolution on the 100th anniversary at the Rudison Centre. It's a 407 Swanton Street, Level 5. It's opposite the RMIT and it's organised by the by Green Left Weekly and Socialist Alliance. And um, the there's one other thing I want to do before we move on. is There has been an announcement that has been um, repeatedly done and it's about the phone calls you can make to um, the um, Prime Minister and uh, the um, other MPs. So here we go. I need to announce it because this is really, really important. And the, uh, the refugee actions are in Flinders Street and, and the State Library actually organized by the Refugee Action Collective. And they have also um, asked for people to make phone calls to MPs. Malcolm Turnbull, get your pen ready. Zero two if he's in the country, six two double seven, double seven zero zero. But I'm sure if he's not here, you can still leave a message. Julie Bishop zero two, six two double seven, seven five double zero. Bill Shorten zero two, six two, double seven, four zero two two. Tanya Plibersek zero two, six two, seven seven four four. Zero four. So this is really important to ring and state your opposition to what um, Australian policy is doing to the refugees Manus Island. So they all have a zero two, which is which is Canberra Sydney um, code, and then you've got the six two double seven, which is common to all the numbers. So you know you can also always look it up. It's so seven seven zero for Malcolm Turnbull, seven five zero zero for uh, Julie Bishop. 
4024 for shorten and 4404 for tan per sec. So mm. we'll make that announcement again before we um, yeah. close the program. Yeah. One and thing that, um, just about calling your MPs is you're unlikely to actually get That doesn't that. matter. The more phone calls they get, the better yeah, you know, you still, uh, but You've you got made, to bombard them. Yeah, you've got to bombard them, but you're not likely to get onto Bill Shorten. I'm sure people You'll are get their staffers. It's the, that's okay, but the, the, they need to be aware. People, Hundreds and thousands of people are ringing in expressing yep. their opposition. That's the important part. Not that you want to talk to the MP. They never talk to the, the plebs who voted for them, as we all yes. know. Yes. <laughs> I'm just trying to make that point about, yeah, that's how they're completely disconnected from everyday people. I know. Okay, next announcement is end of year radical book sale. Um, uh, Saturday, 2nd of December, um, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And also Monday to Wednesday, 12 to 6 um it's 25% off all stock, books, pamphlets, merchandise, and so on. Donations of books welcomed. Um, this is done by the Resistance Center at uh, Swanson Street 407. And you can also call 9639-8622. So that's a book sale. 25% off, guys, if you're interested in books, alternative books, rather. Okay, um, 11th of November. Yes, which is tomorrow. We talked about it earlier. It's the Working Women's Conference and the um, the address is, um, where are we? 127 Meyer Street in Geelong. And you can look up um, the event on um, Google as well. So if you, if you wish to attend, just ring them. And the number, um, I'll get it for you in a minute. I think it's 5221, and I'll get the last four digits um, in a sec. Um, the next announcement is a film screening, Guarding the Galilee, a call to action on stopping the, the proposed Adani coal mines. Uh, and the proposed coal mine would be on one of the largest in the world, making a massive uh, greenhouse um, problem. And we move on to an, another important notifi- uh, notification, which came out only... Unfortunately, I saw it yesterday. It was a media release. They didn't give us a lot of um, uh, leeway or, or, or you know, prior announcement. Is a humanitarian crisis unfolding on Manus and over 150 refugees' children are among those who are still waiting release from Manus. So there's 150 children involved in that group of 600 who are stuck in Manus. So the speakers at this particular event, which I'll give you details in a minute for. Speakers are Gillian Triggs, the former president of the Australian Human Rights Commission. David Mann, he's a lawyer, human rights lawyer. Michael Gordon, I'm not entirely sure who he is and they didn't give his details. And Natasha Blusher, she's a former former caseworker on Nauru and currently manager of the Detention Rights Advocacy and um, Asylum Seeker Resource Centre to examine the terrible, terrible price of our policies in this manner. So the the, un, the 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 title is the undoing of Australia Fair, a political and moral cost of Australia's treatment of refugees. It's this Sunday, twelfth of November. It's at nine fifteen a.m. to one p.m. It's at the Nurses Union Building, which is A and M F Building, five hundred and thirty-five Elizabeth Street. So if you're interested, that'll be a very interesting forum to go to as you hear from people who actually, someone's actually worked on this and the various angles, the human rights angle, the legal angle to what's happening on Manus. 
Um, okay, a couple of other announcements before we move on to the next interview. Um, just a quick one. Um, the Bendigo Stop Adani uh, Craft Noon, which is 1 p.m. at Trades Hall for anyone who's listening in Bendigo. And um, there's also another couple of things happening in Bendigo. One is a black lungs um, issue. The Shadow Assistant Minister for Workplace Relations, Lisa Chester, is responsible for ensuring worker safety. And so we want to highlight the incidence of black lung disease. And um, this is also connected to the Carmichael coal mine. So the event is at 16 Mayor, M-E-Y-E-R-S Street, Bendigo at 1 p.m. for those who are interested. So we have the next... Um, interview online that is uh, Georgia Chris another Chris today we have two Chris's um, she's a communication officer for the AMWU um, which is a union of course uh, that's covering the streets ice cream dispute so this is a sweet interview good morning Georgia good morning thank you so much for offering to speak with 3CR and thanks for having me and um, we are going to talk about this dispute. Tell us about it. What What's actually happened? So we've got 140 workers um, who are facing um, their employer, which is Streets Ice Cream, ripping up their EBA. Um, so that's their union negotiated agreement at their workplace. Um, so that, what, that would see them lose uh, up to 46% of their wages because they would have to revert back to the award for their industry. Um so obviously, as their union, um, we think that this is you know reprehensible behaviour by their employer. And um, after kind of eighteen months of negotiating with their employer to try and stop them doing this, they uh, the streets haven't come to the table. So we've had no choice, but we've had to call a national boycott of all streets products. Okay, there seems to be a pattern of of um, this sort of activity from the CUBD dispute a few few months ago, where the EBA comes up for renegotiation, in some cases has been cut short, and where um, workers have been held to ransom, really, to say, well, if you want your job back, you've you got to take a 30%, 40% wage cut. Um, what is the feeling among workers? Things must be getting really, people must be getting really angry about this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's, um, you're, you're totally right to highlight that it's a pattern. It's not just that we saw it at CUB. We also saw it um, in the Collie Coal Mine out west um, in WA, which is another site that we have workers at. Um, so time and time again, we're seeing that um, these big corporations just looking to make a, a buck off the back of workers by ripping up their union agreement, um, which is also obviously explicitly a union-busting tactic. Like, they're just trying to get us out of there um, and trying to make sure that the workers are weaker as a result. So I think the workers are obviously really frustrated um, in all these instances, but more than that, I think they feel they feel like it's it's unfair. They've done everything by the book. Um, they haven't, you know, stopped work illegally. There's not been any, you know, law-breaking activity or anything that would suggest that their employee needed to take such an aggressive stance. Um, but instead, they're left in this terrible situation that no worker really wants to be. In. No worker wants to have to call a boycott of the product that they make. Hmm. And um, you know, f- firstly, how are the workers holding up, and what sort of support have you received? Yeah, so the workers are doing well. I think that they um, obviously were really kind of frightened leading into the boycott, but the response from Australians has just been so overwhelming. Like um, our our hashtag on Twitter, Streets Free Summer, um, has yes, now reached... Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Um, what's that no. hashtag again? 
So it's hashtag streets free summer. Streets, one um, word, yeah, free yeah, summer. Yeah, streets free summer. So it's now reached about 1.5 million Australians. Fantastic. Um, we get people, you know, people are kind of sharing all of our stuff on Facebook. So our Facebook page at the AMW, but also the Streets Free Summer Facebook page. We've had all these supportive emails, people sending in pictures of themselves, you know, choosing to enjoy a connoisseur ice cream, for instance, instead of a, a Magnum. Um, and so I think that the workers are kind of seeing the support that they're getting on social media and seeing how many Australians are really getting behind them, and that's really bolstered their spirits. Mm, it's really getting worse, and people are getting cheesed off. This is just not on, especially when recently when we uh, saw the release of the information, the Paradise Papers, and how much profits are being scooped up and yeah. sent overseas. Um, Definitely. It's just infuriating and how long people have been fooled into thinking, yeah, well, you know, the employers, they're, they're doing their best and they can't make enough profit. And then you have the government reinforcing this. To survive, companies have to make a profit because companies are the ones who provide the job. Um, yeah. Do, do people actually talk about these things? Because, you know, when I think about it, why don't they just give the company over to the workers, let them run it, stuff this nonsense? You know? <laughs> I am <laughs> from, radi- I'm from the radical background, so I'm saying this. Do people even talk about that? <laughs> Uh, I think I think there's definitely a sense amongst the workers and I think amongst the Australian union movement that the rules are now broken and that the rules are rigged against working people. So rules like not having adequate company tax levels, rules like allowing tax havens to exist and not chasing down these multinationals who aren't paying their fair share, but also rules like um, a kind of union power being decreased in the workplace, not yes. having the right to strike, not mm. having um, kind of right of entry... Um, like unmitigated right of entry. And I think that that's, um, all those rules are things that, you know, workers in our workplace, but also our officials across all the unions are working really hard to, to change and to make sure that we can fix those rules so that workers have power again. Mm. I hope you can because the, the, the current situation is so right-wing um, in, in terms of the government and what it's doing in various quarters um, that, you know how how easy or difficult it is going to be to change the rules. Um, you like you'll have to let us know because I I really can't see in in this current climate how you're going to turn those rules around because uh, even you know looking at the the Fair Work supposedly Fair Work Commission um, they're actually attacking workers with the decisions. Yeah, I I think that there's a lot of uh, decks that are kind of stacked against us, but I think that one of the first things we need to do is change the government because I think you're right, under a neoliberal regime like this one, we're never going to get the change that we need. Um, And I think that it's really important to um, kind of, you know, we we need to change the government, we need to elect a Labor government, but we also need to remember that the union movement needs to be front and centre of all of this policy making and all of the decision making that kind of concerns workers. We know what we're talking about. We've got these decades of experience and, you know, decision-making to, to back it up. And I think that um, when when we do uh, take government away from the Liberals, I think it's really important that the union movement remains really uh, at the political heart of Australia and mm. that the Labor government, um, you know, continues consulting with them extremely closely and, like, really, really lets us take a lead 
in determining how policy should be made about working people in Australia. Mm. I have to say, if I mean, you may not like this, but many of our listeners <laughs> wouldn't agree about having a Labor government because of the experience with the Accord and how that has weakened unions throughout the last few decades. So I leave it to listeners to make up their mind about that. I'm not ever getting, as, as, a, as a broadcaster, I'm not saying anything, but certainly there'll be, there'll be opposition to that. Um, okay, is there anything else you'd like to say to uh, listeners before we uh, wrap up the interview? Yeah, I just I just like to say if you if you want to get behind the streets workers and support them in their campaign, um, you can follow us on Twitter at the AMWU, um, join our hashtag which is hashtag Streets Free Summer, um, and like our Facebook page which is also Streets Free Summer. That's got a hyphen in the middle between the streets and the free. Um, you know the workers see all the support that's flooding in, and it really means the world to them. So if any of your listeners would like to get behind that, that would be really wonderful. Yeah, that is really true. The moral support really gives people energy, doesn't it? Um, exactly. Mm, thank you so much, um, Georgia. And I'm, I, is it Georgia or Georgia? Georgia. Georgia. I think how I, <laughs> it's very fine the differences. Okay, thank you so much <laughs> for being um, available this morning for the interview, and good luck with the campaign. We'll we'll try and keep tabs on what's uh, the progress is. No worries. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Bye. I want to give people the number of the Long Trades Hall, 5221-1712, for those who want to book for the Women's um, Working Women's Conference. And I also want to repeat those numbers for the Manus Island refugees. Um, and to ring Malcolm Turnbull, Julish Bishop, Bill Shorten, Tenable Plibersack on the numbers. The, the code is 0 to for all of them. And the first four numbers are 6277. And for Malcolm Turnbull, the last four numbers are 7700. For Julie Bishop, the last four numbers are 7500. And Shorten, it's 4022. And Tanya Plibersek, it's 4404. And there's an important um, and a real, given that we've had so much trade union um, talk on this program today, I just want to uh, advertise this really important conference. Uh, It's 163 years Eureka Blockade Anniversary. And um, the presentation of the annual Spirit of Eureka Award um, to the Longford uh, maintenance workers uh, taking on Exxon Mobil, and Exxon is part of the Paradise Papers. I'm sure I'm, I remember one of the world's biggest gas and oil multinationals. It's being held on the 27th, which is a Monday of this year, and it's at the Railway Hotel, 800 Nicholson Street, Fitzroy Street, Fitzroy North. Uh, it's near the corner of Nicholson Street and Brunswick Road. Um, the speakers are Craig Galley. Sorry, Craig Kelly, Assistant Secretary of the AMWU, uh, Dick Van Van Dalen, who's the Spirit of Eureka CFMU rank and file member, Malcolm Wood, Longford maintenance worker from the picket line, AMU um, delegate, MCs Margaret Williams, uh, Eureka Stockhead um, descendant, and dinner is at six. The doors open at six. Dinner six thirty. And $25 waged and 15 unwaged. Um, and, of course, you can buy the drinks at the bar. The speakers start at 7.15. For um, letting people know that you're coming or it's an RSVP, the number is 04-35-801-355 or 0417-456-3000.
and um, the email you can intend off to as well spirit of eureka vic3 at gmail.com so it is um, organized by the spirit of eureka victoria so hope that um, gives you some excitement to try and participate in the fight back of um, of workers around Australia and also celebrating Eureka Day. So do you have anything to say before we wrap up the program? Yes, I just wanted to let um, people know that there is the blockade um, happening right now in support of Manus Island. Um, I had this um, inclination that it would be blockading the whole streets of Flinders Street, but actually it's more of an action plan to blockade um, the Border Force office, um, which is at 1010 Lashrobe Street in Docklands. Yeah. Um, you can get there by taking a Route 86 um, tram, which is actually near the station, um, near this. Yeah, but there's also a blockade at, at Flinders Street Junction um, this evening. Yes. Um, it's, it's, I've seen on Facebook. So people can check it anyway. Um, but if but you yeah, don't to... drive a car to Flinders Street Junction, that's all I tell people. Yep. Go by public transport. <laughs> <laughs> it's not okay. very good to drive there anyway. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Okay, anything else we have to, to talk about before we um, invite the BZ people in? I'll just quickly report back. Um, just um, take a two to three minutes on this. Um, I just went to the Northcote by-election candidates forum, which was organised by a number of grassroots oh, yes. groups. Mm. Um, it was a very big attendance, so over 300 to 400 people Fantastic. were there. Um, and um, basically, I'll just give a bit of something. I didn't actually hear any of the candidates' speeches. Um but what I did um, saw was sort of the community kind of forum aspect, which is where, you know, people from the community got to ask um, questions to the candidates. Um, few, a lot of questions around the environment were brought up um, and there was a real kind of challenge put to um, the candidates' attitudes to privatisations of public assets, um, especially the state Labor's kind of participation in the privatisation of public housing and um, disability services. Um, Though, interestingly enough, um, there wasn't any issues raised around um, refugees on Manus, which I thought was a bit strange. I'm sure a lot of of people there did, you know, are concerned about refugees, but it might have been that, you know, people felt that in terms of a state election that maybe state MPs don't really have a role to play and maybe there were questions more pertaining to state election and there was also a lot of um, discussion um, raised around the whole Great Forest National Park and um, how you know if these candidates are elected how will they support um, the whole idea of the Great National um, Forest Great National Forest Park Park yeah <laughs> <laughs> I know so, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of having a dry mouth from talking um, okay one last announcement or, or update rather we did an interview with the a branch secretary of the Victoria University a couple of weeks ago, and they had a, a solidarity bar- barbecue um, earlier this week. And uh, some of the um, bits of news that came through was apparently in in this last year alone, hundred people have lost um, jobs in VU. And there's a call for people to send a message to the Victoria University Council um, that you oppose to this this corporatization of uh, or the continuing corporatization of Victoria University. Um, <clears throat> so if you're interested, you can look it up um, on, on the um, computer, of course, and uh, do ring them up, do give them help, because the, the attacks are phenomenal on workers everywhere in all quarters. So let's keep up the good fight. So thank you so much for listening um, to this program. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, and, of course, you can um, you know follow us on uh, the podcast, which will be done by this evening. And... Uh, 
hopefully you lis- you'll tune in next week to listen to more exciting news and Zen Jacob Jacob representing and I'll be gone for four weeks I won't be here so it's all in the hands of Zane and, and Jacob um, <clears throat> now uh, let's invite the um, BZD group people to run their program and hope all of you have a great day and some of you will at least come to the uh, blockade in Flinders Street and the rally in um, the State Library this evening bye from, from Lalita Chalaya and Jacob <laughs> This brings us to the end of the show. You have been listening to Friday Morning Breakfast with Green Left Radio. Brought to you by the Green Left Weekly Newspaper, which provides a weekly source of alternative information which aims to inspire action to put people and the environment first. If you would like to subscribe to the newspaper and get it delivered to your door, you can do so by visiting the website at greenleft.org.au or call 1-800-634-206. For new subscribers, it is only $10 for the first six issues. Repeats of the show and interviews are podcasts on our homepage on the 3CR website. Thank you for listening. You are tuned into 3CR Community Radio, 855 Digital on the AM dial and streaming live on 3cr.org.au.